0: Hi, I'm Jack Bailey from the Blue Line Report, and today I'm going to be joined by my guest from the Sens Call-Ups, Cardinal. Hey, Cardinal, how's it going?
1: Morning, good to be here.
0: Yeah, so today we're just going to be talking about uh, the draft lottery that just happened this week and how the Sens have, are going to be affected by this. So, the draft lottery happened this um, week. If, if you didn't watch it, our, the draft lottery order is number eight was Buffalo seven, New Jersey, six, Anaheim, five, Ottawa, four, Detroit, three, Ottawa, two, Los Angeles, and then one, the qualifier team yet to be announced. So this is a, a very eventful draft lottery. It's going to certainly make things interesting over the next little while. I, I, we were recording, actually,
1: while the, the um, draft was going on. Decided to. Um, we were recording beforehand, and when the actual announcement was happening, we decided to turn things off for a little while, um, and then went back to it afterwards. It was <laughs> going to be an interesting thing in Ottawa for uh, the next little while, but it's also, I think, it's or I think it's going to be interesting to see the way that the NHL handles what they're going to do with the team to be named later, depending on how things uh, go with the playoffs, presuming that they actually do get restarted. It'll be interesting to see how things pan out from there. If they don't, it's going to be even more interesting. Um, As far as how the draft turns out for Ottawa, um, in our discussion afterwards, we were disappointed. Everybody is disappointed that you don't get number one overall when you have, mathematically, best odds of getting that position. That's the one that everybody wants, of course. Um, But really... Ending up third and fifth, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. And third and fifth is going to be two very, very impactful players for this team um, for years. Um, oh, I'm a glass-half-full kind of guy. I'm not, oh, well, we could have had first and we didn't get it. Yeah, we didn't. We're still drafting third and fifth. We have how many more draft picks coming up in this in this draft? Exactly. Got another another first. Or seconds, etc. And a third, yeah. which is going to be two picks out of second, so almost five second-round draft picks, couldn't be a lot worse. Oh,
0: yes, because like when you're when you're getting a picks like three and five, you're you, yes, you're not getting the franchise star like Lafreniere, but you're still getting like a uh, Cole Perfetti, Jamie Drysdale, a Marco Rossi, which will all hopefully be game-changing and like franchise-altering. Players to this roster because I feel like the top, um, the top players in this draft class are all or most of all forwards, except excluding Jamie Drysdale. But um, all the forwards, I feel like they're just Ottawa's going to get t- two really good forwards here, and they just going to improve the depth uh, to this already young lineup.
1: Absolutely, they'll be top thing that the, the lineup for the Senators right now, there's so much potential in it, not only at an NHL level, also at an AHL level. Two of the six all-rookie team for the AHL, for Bingham, or sorry, Binghamton, Belleville Senators, oh, and two of the six top rookies in the entire league are in your system, it's not bad. It's not bad at exactly. all. And it's... You add to that, um, that's not including some of the other players that are down there who have been doing very well. Um, it also doesn't include um, whatever comes out of this draft class. Senators are going to have a phenomenal number of young players to play with. I mean, it's not just going to be Josh Norris and Alex Formanton who are the two top rookies. But you've also got... Um, got players who were injured, like Christian Wolanin didn't really play this year. He's coming. going. have
0: got
1: defensemen yeah. all over the place, whether it's Bernard, Bernard Docker, whether it's um, Jesse Thompson. There's, there's so much potential in the pipeline. Never mind goaltending. When was the last time the Ottawa Senators had this much potential goaltending being around, yeah. as opposed to four or five years ago when it was, we got nothing.
0: Yeah, like this, uh, this Belleville, uh, the Ottawa Senators, their farm system, especially for goaltending is insanely talented. Like you got talents, obviously, like Marcus Haberg, who was up in the NHL this year, but you also got goalies like Joey Decord and like Philip Gustafson, who are, if they grow properly, they're going to turn into top goalies in this league.
1: Absolutely. There are also two others. Who's, I'm, I'm sorry, it's, it's early in the morning for me. I had a very late yeah. night last night, so I can't pull names out of the ether like I do when I'm recording our own podcast. Yeah. There, are others, there are other names that are still even, uh, there's one in the Western Hockey League, and there was another one in the East Coast Hockey League, who are still further down the depth chart, but have potential to move upwards as soon as a spot opens. It's not that they're not good enough to play there, it's that there's already good players playing there. So tending is one thing we don't really need to look at necessarily. You never know. In a draft, it's the best player available. We take that, whether it's not necessarily a need for us, because that player is obviously better than the next one on our whatever list the organization has. I mean, that's the fun of a draft. That's where things go off the board. Heaven knows this, the senators have gone off the board quite a number of times in the past years, and them have worked out. And- of them haven't. I mean, you can look at the haven't column with people like Brian Lee, who could have been on Zey Kopitar. But by the same token, let's keep in mind, Eric Carlson was drafted 15th. Yeah. They, <laughs>
0: and yeah
1: everyone like every, everyone thought that was a terrible pick at the time. It's like, oh my God, he's small. He's never going to work out. I mean, I don't care how talented he is. He's never going to
0: turn out. <laughs> I was wrong. how that worked out. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Never mind this organization has been able to do with late round draft picks. Sixth round draft picks that turn into Mark Stone or Daniel Alfredson or, yeah, um, you know, I'm running out of names. Um, <laughs> um hmm. Lots of other ones have done this yes.
0: too.
1: So it's all about, it's all about the organization having, you know, taking the time for players to develop. And that's what really happened this year in Melville, where there were a lot of young players who were very raw. Very raw. And the beginning of the season was a little bumpy, but man, they put it together and started playing the way that they have the potential to because of their time. And in doing that, really made an impression that this team has an awful lot of, it may not be elite first line. I I will, will say that first out. It's not elite we're not looking at Patrice Bergeron and Sidney Crosby and players like that. But the next level down from that, we've got a lot of potential players. Like your first yeah. and second line may not be absolute superstar franchise players. Nope, they could be really good ones. Exactly. Let's remember what the Senators that. did the last time they had a team full of those. I seem to recall the Stanley Cup final. And you look at the team from 2007 could say Danny Heatley was an absolute league-level stud as far as being a scorer. The rest of them weren't necessarily franchise players in that stereotypical sense, but they were all really good ones who played very, very well together. 2017 was the same sort of thing, too. That team shouldn't have been one overtime goal away in Game 7 in the conference final. They were, because they just put it together. Exactly. Could go either way, but it should be uh, being a glass-half-full kind of guy. I think someone's pouring. The glass is filling up, so Mm -hmm. be happy with half-full and just they get better from there.
0: Exactly. So in this draft, let's say Ottawa takes with their third pick someone like, I don't know, like Alexander Holtz or Lucas Raymond or Tim Stetzel, a winger. Do you think Ottawa, instead of going for another winger with that fifth pick, do they try to go for some a center like uh, Cole Perfetti or Marco Rossi, who has played in this uh, city and Ottawa, like Ottawa Sixty Sevens, love him. The city of Ottawa loves him. So maybe it's a better pick to take like a center and a wing instead of getting two wings. Or
1: well, we talked about that a little bit. I mean, keep in mind, um, or in case, you, in case it's not clear, uh, the podcast that um a part of we're not a news organization we're a fan reaction podcast it's really or in the case of the last episode we actually had a fourth person on with us we're really three or we're, we're three guys who sit around talking hockey oh so are we, the way that we we do things is what are we reacting to the news we're not reporting it so yeah. in, in a question like that um a couple of things number one Regardless of what order they take them in, I want them to take the best players available for what the team needs. Don't think the team necessarily needs defense, so they do need a center. And yep. both soul and Rossi can play center or wing. So that yeah. That makes a lot of flexibility because we do have Josh Norris, we do have Shane Pinto, we do have other possibilities for center. Never mind Logan Brown.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I already got Colin White up
1: there. And- exactly. I don't think, I don't see, I've never seen Colin White as a top-line center. I don't even necessarily see him as a second-line center long-term. It, I, he's, he had a very, he did not have a good season last season, and I would be the first to admit that. The, the, the latter part of the season really started to turn his game around. Is he, is he everything I expected him to be? Not yet. Did he improve? Yes and that's the way i look at this past season did players improve i think they did I know the team's record wasn't necessarily good but i look at a ho- i looked at this last season going am i entertained because lord knows the two in the season previous to this one
0: it weren't. was not fun hockey to watch <laughs> no exactly
1: it, it was, was not weird. entertaining yeah it was sure like, it was
0: it's fast hockey it's young hockey it's like these are the stars of the future, and this is we're going to be seeing this the majority of this lineup going through the next however exactly. many years. So it's to so see the, the growth
1: exactly to see the potential come realized a little bit. You know, this coming season could be realized a bit more, and then after that, realized more until so they really are playing to the level of their ability. And that takes time, they're young, can't you can't expect players of, of, unless they are absolute Alex Lafreniere-level players, can't expect a 19-year-old to walk into the NHL and dominate. It just doesn't happen. Because it's a very different environment from what they've been in, and it takes time to adjust to it, and the players are bigger and stronger and faster and everything else. Remind the pressure and the spotlight and everything else. But, come back to your question. Sorry, I, I walked <laughs> a little
0: bit. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: Does really everybody- hope... <laughs> I hope the team um, makes players that will fit into the the framework of this organization longer term. And I think that there's enough, there are enough top five players in the top five, which sounds like a weird, weird way to play it. But there's some very, very good players in the top five. No matter which ones we get, I don't think we need a defenseman, but we may get one. I would rather look at like you were mentioning, a center and a winger, or at least two players who can play both of those positions. Yeah. Because then it gives us the flexibility. I mean, it, it's always a great thing to have two center two players who can play center on the same line it makes life really good at times. Exactly.
0: So we and can it's do a lot that, easier. It's yeah. a lot easier to take a center and move him to wing where like instead of to like take a winger and move him to center. So that's why, yeah. It's
1: really good for face-offs, too.
0: Exactly. Depending face-offs which are side the
1: ice, Which side of the ice it's on, or if somebody gets kicked out, you have somebody who can come in who's still experienced with it. Yeah, yeah
0: handedness. It works very well.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Handedness as well as experience. It works very, very well both ways. I'm, I'm really curious to see what Eudorio um, pulls out of this draft. I mean, we were talking about it. Afterwards, and in mind, we have not only three and five, and the Islanders pick, unless the Islanders happen to be the team that wins, the NHL team that doesn't make it out of the um, entry round of the playoffs, and they win first overall. We um, have three first-round picks and a ton of later ones. Well, I'm, I would be very surprised if Pierre Dorian picks every one of them. Because we've got a lot of prospects, and it's getting a little crowded, but there's enough development going on that there may not be room for a whole lot of other players in the next couple of years. I mean, certainly the, la- the later draft picks wouldn't be in Belleville this coming season, um, mm-hmm. for the most part, at least. But trying to make sure that we don't have this huge flood all at once, I would be very surprised if we picked all of them, other than trade Maybe a pick away, or a pick and a player away for something else, or who knows? Dealer, dealer, make some trades. Never know what might happen. It will certainly—oops, sorry. It will certainly keep things interesting for the next little while.
0: Yeah, like as like a fan, do you worry? Because right now it's amazing. You have all these prospects who are looking amazing, and they're going to do great. But do you worry in like two, two, three years, like? How are they going to handle this, like cap scenario? Because they're currently have a seventy seventy four million dollar cap hit. So, how much, like, with such a deep farm system, there's also the end of can we afford to pay them all? And um, Melnick, at least, has been has shown that he's not a fan of uh, spending it all on like one player or two players. You know, so.
1: It's an interesting question. I mean, I think you, you phrased it rather well there in that it's not that this team can't afford them. This it, this team has shown in the past few years, which have been a big teardown, but has shown not just in the past few years, but even before that, an unwillingness. by um, ownership slash management, wherever you want to put the blame is fine. Exactly. Um, an, un, an unwillingness to pay... Stars dollar, um, and I mean, if you think back, that that goes back a fairly long time. Who was the last really big contract to be signed as an extension? And the only one I can think of is Bobby Ryan.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, it's other otherwise, it's players who have been brought in, or players who were here, and when their big contract signing came up, were moved out. Now, yeah. Having said that, and I'm not, I'm not a fan of revisionist history, I'm not a fan of people who change their takeover time to try and appear like they thought this. Um, and I like to think that I'm consistent in, in, in looking at things over time. I was, at the time of the Eric Carlson trade, I was disappointed he was gone. But at the same time, I was so, so leery of taking a player who had been multiple serious injuries, who was recovering from one, and signing him to a long-term agreement. And all that came back from that trade at the time didn't look great because I didn't know much about Dylan DeMillo. I didn't know much about Chris Tierney. I didn't know anything about Josh Norris. Never mind yeah. a first-round pick, which ends up third overall.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect scenario this year.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Fell right so, in lap. Looking at that trade, I mean, that trade is, has turned out to be pretty good. The Mark Stone trade, yeah, maybe not quite so much. We'll see what else comes out of it. Um, you get a the Jean Gabriel
0: like yeah. like Eric Branchum and stuff. Exactly. So it- and
1: the Jean Gabriel Pajot trade. I have been, if you've listened to our podcast. If your listeners have listened to our podcast, I've been a Jean Gabriel Pajot fan since he played for the Hall Olympics. I remember seeing him playing for the Hall Olympics, which means yes, I'm old. Fine, um, my voice says that. Um, but I remember seeing him playing for the Hall Olympics, going, "Damn, this guy's amazing." He's he's small, and I've I've met him. He is. I, I mean, I'm over six feet tall, so a lot of people seem small to me. Um, he is still fairly small. He's he's quite solid. But I remember when Ottawa drafted, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be so great, except I really can't see him making it because of his size. But he he proved me wrong, and I've admitted that pretty much every year since then on our podcast that I was wrong about that, and I couldn't have been happier about being wrong because I love the way he played. But for what he was asking for in an extension, I think we got a tremendous return. Tremendous yeah. return, and I wish him all the best. I don't think he's worth the money that he's being paid because I don't think he'll be able to live up to that contract for the life of it. For the, for the short term, sure, absolutely. He is exactly what, what you want. I don't think he'll be able to do that in another four years. That's what worries me is all the big signings that are going on, that all while you will worry about that in four years. Mm-hmm. And look at the contracts that people have said that about. Um, the, my, my favorite one would be Dion Phaneuf signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. That was a contract that, oh, yeah, we'll worry about that later. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Then he comes to Ottawa. Then he goes to L.A. Then he gets bought out, which costs all the teams in that progression something. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think uh, him coming to Ottawa was a pretty good thing. And while he was here, it was great. And he moved on. Okay, fine. But I'm not a big fan of signing layers to an agreement, to a contract that you know, or you, you, I shouldn't say no, that's an absolute, but you have a really strong suspicion they're not going to be able to live up to the end of it. I'm not yeah. fond of that. I'd rather shine, sign them shorter, or if they don't want to, move on. But, exactly. you know, I, I'm not a I, general I, manager in the National Hockey League. Yeah.
0: I love the Pajo trade, and only for like one reason. The I love the third round pick. So, in the deal, it was Pajot for first, second, and the third. But the condition for the third round pick, I found this really funny, was for Ottawa to get the third round pick, the Islanders have to win the Stanley Cup. I just found that kind of funny when I heard the deal.
1: Oh, okay. If they win the Stanley Cup, that means they don't get the first overall pick in this year's draft. So, and we get a draft pick out of it. Okay, so I'm going to cheer for the Islanders now. That's who my pick is going okay, to be exactly. for. Be my, my girlfriend team for the playoffs this year. I think well, it won't be the senators, I can't cheer for them, so I'll have to find another one. Yeah, like you're thinking, I'm gonna go with that
0: <laughs> exactly. You want that third pick, you got to cheer for these islanders. So,
1: think of worse fates,
0: <laughs> exactly. So, um, as a fan, the draft lottery was, I was like, as a fan, I was really frustrated that they're gonna have a second lottery that we have to now wait another month for, to find out who is gonna get this. Let's be real, who's getting Lafreniere. But, like, I agree with what they did. Like, you know, so they're not gonna show. Do you agree with that? Or do you think it prevents, like, tanking or something? Cause, you know, there's maybe more incentive. Hey, if we lose in this first, let's say, no, no, Toronto won. Uh, the first overall pick, which would be unfair, by the way. <laughs> um, let's say maybe there's more incentive to. Oh, whoops! Frederick Anderson let that one in against Columbus. Well, now we're getting Lafreniere. Well,
1: I wasn't, to be completely honest, I wasn't a big fan of the way they did this. Um, I realize why they were doing it. They they needed an event, needed something to create a stir, needed something attention onto the NHL when the NHL is still not playing games. They're not even in training camp yet. So they had to do something to try and get the attention of sports fans, even if not hockey fans. Because the sports world is so starving for content right now, anything gets attention. So they came up with this idea. I'm not fond of it. I don't like double draft scenario. Are you where what is hap- what has turned out was the possibility of what was happening. Now, if they had done an entire draft, if they had waited to wait if they had waited through that first round of what they want to do, so that you do have all your traditional 16 teams, have the other ones that are out, and done the draft lottery, I would have yeah. preferred that. Now, that's that's not a good event. That's not a good splash. I understand that. I would have preferred that because this whole volontre, you know volontre, I don't like it. I like the fact that they didn't say who that team was, but they couldn't have. They couldn't yeah. have because they don't know who those other eight teams are. But I, I, I see the scenario that you were talking about. I don't think, I don't think players are going to, I don't think the players on the ice going to tank. An organization might want to. I don't think players ever do. Because if you do that, one of the people on that team is losing their job. If you bring in Lafreniere next year, somebody's gotta go. So I don't see the players going, all right, well you know what? Uh, Smitty, yeah, he's been a bit of a he's been a bit of a dog. So you know what? Um this this playoff round, it's... um just screw it up and see if we can get Lafreniere and that way Smitty's out of here. Yeah. Your, your typical miscellaneous nickname. I don't, I don't see players doing that. Oh, I can't see them deliberately letting a goal in or players deliberately playing poorly trying to get somebody else for their team. I can see the organization going, I can see at least the potential I should say for an organization to say, yo, superstar. Um, I think, I think you've got a bit of a cough. Why don't you take the, the this game off? And you, superstar, and you, superstar, and you, superstar. I'll bring up some pluggers from our uh, AHL team, and, oh, we lost the game. Yeah. Well, I let's... can see a team doing that. Um, mm-hmm. You have to be awfully careful about it, but I, see, I think there's potential for them to do that far more than actual players doing it.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I'm really happy with what the NHL did in the sense of... Now, what team's going to try to... Like, you have a shot at the, the Stanley Cup, the Holy Grail of hockey, the main thing that... The thing that hockey about, hockey's about. Like, would you really give that chance up for a... Like, if, I think if they would have done, like... And... Uh, like, I'm gonna, going back to the Toronto example. Like, Toronto wins the first pick. Then, maybe there's an incentive, but, like, you know, like, it's a 1-8 in eight shot... I don't see a team, or at least now, I don't see a team uh forfeiting their chance to um, play for the Stanley Cup in efforts to have a one and eight shot at the first round pick.
1: I don't see I don't see players doing it. I can see an organization doing it if they look at the writing on the wall and say, we don't have a chance. We have a chance, but it's minuscule and I mean honestly, I don't see this organization's opportunity this year yes we have the possibility of doing it but we have to win this play-in round and then we have to win four more and i don't see us doing that this year so why not why not get something that would make it better for next year or the year after or the year after especially if it's a younger team rather than if it's an older team no no, yeah. they wouldn't oh. I can't see them doing it. <laughs> yeah. But if it's a younger team, I can see the possibility of some of an organization deciding to do that. Their call. Right? Their call, not mine.
0: Let's see Cardinal? Oh no, I'm here. Oh, okay. Cool. So um back to your point, like I don't see an NHL franchise like I feel the only maybe and the only the only team that I could potentially see doing it as a team like Montreal, just cause you know, he's from the Quebec side. He's like, he'd just be the perfect fit in Montreal. But like, even then I could see if, if Carrie Price turns it on, I could see them beating Pittsburgh in that first round. So I don't, I have a really like, like you said, I don't think players would do it. Cause you know, like, Hey, we got Lafreniere. Maybe we're going to pay Lafreniere a bit more and we're going to, uh, lower your salary, but, like, I c- and it pains me to say that I could see, but it, I think tanking is bad for sports, like, I don't, I don't want tanking in the game of hockey, but unfortunately, it is there, so, I hope, <laughs> like you said, glass Apple, full, I hope teams just be like, let's go for the Stanley Cup, Instead of uh, trying to tank for the chance at getting Lafreniere,
1: yeah, I don't. I don't. Tanking rarely pays off. And look at look at Buffalo when they got they didn't get the first overall pick. Look at Detroit when they didn't get the first overall pick this year. And I'm not saying Detroit was tanking. Detroit was just bad, horrifically bad. Um, I don't think they were tanking. I think they were just a terrible, terrible hockey team who need to rebuild stuff and, and they need to bring in a whole lot of new young talent to, to enter, to change over that team. I don't think they were tanking. Um, but in this playoffs, I, I can see someone deciding, you know what? No, let's get our organization out of here. Let's get, let's get away from the potential for uh, very serious harm for our players. In terms of COVID nineteen, as well as playing an entire uh, playoff series, I mean, there's there's the, the idea of a hub city means there's no travel, which is good, but it may also accelerate how quickly things happen. So back and forth, I don't I don't see a lot of potential for tanking, but I can see I can see where a team would go. yeah, No, I don't. Yeah. This isn't our year. Let's let's not overextend ourselves and risk. Injury or worse for something that's just not realistically going to happen. As far as Montreal, well, given that Alexei Lafreniere is from Saint Eustache, just yeah. outside Montreal, he's, he's a dream for them, for he's sure. He's a
0: perfect player um, to fit in that I want him to,
1: roster. I want him to go to Arizona. Is that way? Yeah. Exactly. I, I want I want to go west somewhere. <laughs> I didn't get him. I don't I want-, want to play against him very often. <laughs>
0: I hope he plays the best scenario for me uh, would be like if he played for a team like Vancouver or Calgary. So he's still in Canada, so we get to see him a lot, but we don't have to like play him a lot. Which yeah, would be we nice. you know, he gets Best of both worlds. I'd be fine with uh, him going to a team like Vancouver or Winnipeg or Calgary. One of those teams out there.
1: I picked Arizona because it was as far away as I could get. So to being LA. (laughs) The Sharks we have their pick, so Arizona's the next furthest away. And given the record of whatever team still has Taylor Hall getting a first overall draft pick, Arizona's got a good chance.
0: Yeah, I know. If Taylor Hall were to I saw a stat yesterday, if Taylor Hall or if the Arizona Coyotes were to get um were to get this first pick this year, Taylor Hall would have been a part of Seven seasons now where they got the first pick. Mm. Which mm. is absolutely ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it also might entice him to stay there because he's a UFA. Yeah. So if if they if they actually get this, they that could be something that helps um, Arizona keep him there. Never know. Never know.
0: The only thing I feel like the what only else you thing, got for me. The only thing good that would come out for Lefrenier. Uh, going to Arizona would that would be an amazing jersey, a Lafreniere. You know that alternate jersey that they have the uh, oh, what's it called? It's the um, you know it's all the like the desert patterns on it. The old Arizona Coyotes. That'd be an amazing jersey. But, uh, <laughs> but other than that, no, I don't want them to go to Arizona because I feel like that would kind of not not be great um, if they were to. If, okay with it. He'd kind of disappear, pretty much, which would suck.
1: Only until that team starts playing well, and then they'd be the late game uh, whenever possible.
0: Yeah. I really hope that Marco Rossi gets drafted by the Sens. I feel like he'd be a perfect fit. Like, he had 120 points this year in 56 games. Not many players can do that. And it I know was, he's at the OHL level and stuff, but, yeah.
1: Very dominant. Um, very dominant. Uh, and a tremendous player to watch, if you ever got the chance. Very entertaining. Amazing to watch. Um, I hope Marco Rossi gets drafted early. I hope it's not to Ottawa. I say that for his own sake. Not because of me being a Senators fan and not wanting him here. I, I think it would be better for him and for his... Um, career to play somewhere else because if you look at the number of Ottawa Senators who were drafted from the 67s obviously one is Cody Ceci another one is Shane Prince Um, and I just had a third name that evaporated right as I was about to say it Um, (laughs) not really
0: (laughs) yeah. <laughs> nope.
1: <laughs> um and it's very different i mean when you've been around and when you've been a star in this town at a junior level and then you're expected like i think the expectation was too heavy on Cody CC I I like Cody CC um i still do um except for the fact that he plays for the blue team at least for now um he uh, he was a tremendous player for the 67s i think he got terribly terribly miscast in the role that he was given with the Ottawa Senators especially by um Gibouche who really wanted him to be a a shutdown big body play the tough game kind of defenseman and that's not Cody Ceci's game he's a very subtle player and i think he because he was put into a role that didn't fit him very well that was a big source of his struggles was that he was trying to do something that he wasn't good at and, I mean, I'm not saying that to be nasty. It's just like, but that's not your strength. That'd be like putting me in a 50-meter sprint, and I'm like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not going up against Usain Bolton looking good. It's just not going to happen. It's not my thing. <laughs> so I, I felt very sorry for him um, because he was drafted as a local guy. Like he's from Ottawa. His family's in Orleans. And he played for the 67s. And then he played for the centers. I'm like, man, this is way too much. This is way too much for a young hockey player to have to try and shoulder. So I would prefer to see uh, Marco Rossi go somewhere else. Um, I'm not, in spite of my, uh, in spite of the way that everything turned out for uh, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, I'm not a big fan of really small NHL hockey players. And Marco Rossi is not a big lad. He's about 5'9". And that's, it's, it's, much, it's much easier to dominate a league of 16- to 19-year-olds than it is a league of 20- to 35-year-olds when you're that size. I mean, he's very talented, very talented, but it's going to be a very different world for him to be playing in. And I'd like to see him succeed. I'll, I would really like to see him succeed, but I think it would be easier if he didn't have the hometown boy tag on him as well. So if he's somewhere else, he doesn't have that, it's one less thing to worry about. I would also okay. put him for a year in the AHL. wouldn't put him directly into the NHL. I'd put him in the AHL to get used to the size and speed and everything else of the game first before putting oh. him in the NHL.
0: I was thinking that... I think they're going to send him back to the OHL because he he's eligible for one more year with the Auto 67s. So I think if any team were going to take him... like I think, personally, they, should, uh, they would send him back to the CHL just so he could have his one more year to really... Develop his skills, but like I think the AHL would be great for him because you know, you don't get that size when you're going back to the OHL, so there's pros and cons to both because yeah. maybe you're not playing on you know, the top line and stuff. Not sure. I'm not
1: sure where his birthday falls to see whether he would actually be eligible to normally. If you can go back to the OHL, you can't go to the AHL, so I don't know where his birthday is um, oh. and where it would fall for that. Um, but you make a good point. If he goes back, nothing left to prove. That's the one problem with sending him back to the HL. He's got nothing left to prove. Or OHL. There's nothing left for him to accomplish. He can't. I don't think he can have a better season than this year. Even, I mean, numerically, it may be better, but I don't think it would be better developmentally. So that's why I'd rather see him playing. And then that means he has to be in the NHL or goes back to the OHL. I'd have to look at where his birthday is. But uh... if it was my choice, that's what I'd do.
0: He's a September birthday. He's 18 years old. So,
1: so. he can't go to the AHL. No. Have to play in the NHL or go back okay. to AHL. To, uh,
0: Out of the two, I think he'd be best fit to go back to the OHL. Well,
1: very much so. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him into the NHL. Um, except, I mean, if they want to give him the, oh, well, let's give him nine games to start the season. Okay. I'm not a big fan of that move. It, it's great for the player's psyche. Okay. I don't see it as being particularly useful for their development, especially if you start spacing those games out over two months rather than playing them in September and into October or early October. But, again, I'm not a general manager. This is just
0: the way I think about it. I'm just a fan. So, um, I have a question for you. What's your take on the captaincy? Who do you think should get it? Should they announce it this year? Should they they wait wait another year or and if so if you think they should announce it this year who do you think it should be
1: great question um i think this team is young enough that they don't i don't think they have to rush announcing it because i want it to be i want them to announce somebody who's going to be their captain for quite a while i don't want it to be somebody who's going to do it for a couple of years uh, because they picked an older player um I'm not, I don't see it as being a huge gotta have. I don't think you have to have one. If you have three alternates, okay. I mean, that's the way they played it this year. And if they do it again that way this coming season, I'm fine with it. I have no issue with it at all. Uh, as far as who, it's a great question. At the moment, I don't know if there is somebody who... I like... I like a captain of the team to be the leader, not the person who was given that role. I want them to be that role before they put that letter on them. Um, which is why if it takes a couple of years before they get the C rather than an A, I'm okay with that. Because I want them to be, I, I want it to be a role that really belongs to them, and not is put upon them like, oh, well, you're the 19-year-old superstar. Here, you get the captaincy. No, I don't like that at all. It doesn't That doesn't sit well with me because you haven't earned it. I, I don't think if, if you haven't earned it, I don't think you should have it. So I think that there are a number of players. I mean, obviously, the top two that come to mind would be either Thomas Shabbat or Brady Kachuk. Um, I see I see Brady as a bit more of, a, of a, an active leader, a, a, a guy who really sets an example by the way he plays um, overtly. Chabot is a bit more like Alfie. He goes and he does his thing. And he sets the example by being, um, I don't want to say quiet, but it's just I, I am I'm doing, I'm I'm doing what I do, and I want and I and it's I set a good example with my work ethic and and my skills and everything else. That's not a that's not a bad school of thought, to me at least. That's not a that's not a bad example to try and emulate. So, I could see either of them, but depending on what comes out of this draft especially if a trade comes out of this draft, you never know who might be coming in. And it may be somebody who's a little bit older. Like if we were to trade um, the Islanders pick in a couple of seconds for say a 22 year old or a 23 year old who's yeah. about to come off their entry level, but they're going to be, you know, they are, they're a bona fide star who needs to move to somewhere else or some, you know, there's a reason for that trade on both sides they could end up being that player in a year. I think even um, Anthony Duclair could be a candidate for it in a year. He, he put on a tremendous season this year, surprising everybody, including the guy at this end of a microphone. Um, very pleasantly surprised by him. But, I mean, you never, he, he, I think he shows leadership in just the way he plays. He goes out and he plays his game. So, okay. Um, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors as to who listens to who in the locker room. I don't listen to a lot of that chatter, but, oh, well, so-and-so is definitely a leader. said by somebody who's not actually in the room, and what do you know about it? Yeah. I mean, some people have sources, sure, but I don't know. It's a great question. What are you thinking? It's what do you think I'm it's going to look like?
0: I'm thinking they... I think they wait a year, and then I think the... Not this season, but the following season, they... Put it on Brady Kachuk. I think, just Brady Kachuk has shown to be such a like a fiery player. Like he's like, I don't know. He's good comparable to like a player on Boston, like Jacob DeBrusque. He's he's annoying to play against, and he's a really fiery player. But he's also has really so much skill, and he's proven to be like he just he does everything right in the game of hockey. People hate to play against him. Uh, teammates love him, and, like, the fans, like, I feel like the city will come around uh, to, like, Brady Kachuk more than they would to, like, a player like Thomas Shabbat, who, like you said, keeps to himself a bit more. I feel like Ottawa, instead of being the stoic group, which I feel like they were, they were this big, you know, they were this well-oiled machine, like, they were just all, like, very... Kept-in-place personalities. I feel like with Brady Kachuk as your captain, you can set as, we're a young, we're a fast, we're a hungry hockey team, and we're, you know, we're a very alive team, and, like, we're very, like, a fast team.
1: He's also a, a good character. He's, he's got a lot of personality, which comes across in his play. Because he really, like, he's a person that I think fans can get behind because he's he's energetic. He likes to be a pain in the keister. He loves that. He (laughs) loves to be an agitator. He loves to get under people's skin. And he enjoys it. Like, it's a genuine enjoyment of being a pain in the behind. And that's entertaining in and of itself. But as you said, he also has the skill to back it up. When when that talking about draft picks, that was a draft pick. When that one was made a couple of years ago, oh dear lord, if you were on Twitter that day, that was even worse than the uh that that was even worse than the um Eric Carlson one. I mean the Eric Carlson one was a long time ago, but whatever. There were so many people who were just, Oh, I can't believe they picked him. He only scored what, four goals last year, or was it seven or whatever it was? Yeah. In um in college hockey. I'm like talk he has nothing to do with what we're talking about here people very <laughs> different game don't worry about that
0: people the fact are very- that we got
1: him he fell to us because people were looking at numbers and numbers and stats are useful but they don't tell the whole story of a player where those numbers are coming from but people would call cut up oh well the numbers aren't that good it should be somewhere else like, no I, I disagree and i <laughs> i think that they rather well.
0: Ottawa fans. I feel like at that in the in that year, I feel like Ottawa fans were just generally angry with that draft because they dropped down two spots and they got the small kid who scored like so few goals from a college team. Like a lot of, I remember seeing him in like being a top pick and being like, "Oh, this guy got here because of his dad." That's uh, that was my honest thought when I saw him. I'm like. This guy is here because of Keith. He's uh, he's gonna he's gonna go nowhere. Where, luckily for the Ottawa Senators, he's done. He's been pretty great. He's put up great uh, stats. He's just pro- proven to be a like a a tough leader, like a good leader on this team. So, but yeah, that was my first opinion when I saw him. This guy's only here because of his dad.
1: Oh, fair enough. Remember, the, <laughs> I I actually met him very briefly at a team event. Ooh. Not not this season, I guess it would have been last season. Yeah, timelines blur a little bit for me, but we were invited, we as a podcast were invited to uh, an evening with um, the players and um, other, I guess, advertisers and sponsors and that sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah, at the time I was looking at him, going, okay, we're about the same height. National Hockey League player, and the other one isn't. So <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was a little slight. Um, he's put on quite a bit of uh, weight since then. I remember, yeah. I remember meeting him going, you're just a big, happy-go-lucky kid, and I hope you stay that way. And <laughs> he, he reminded me a lot of Mark Borowiecki, because I've met Mark Borowiecki a couple of times. And he is just the most... I, of all the players, I think I would like to sit down and have you know, just sit down and have some barbecue with him. Just sit down and have a, have, a, have a bite, and maybe a couple of drinks, and just chat with him because he's so genuinely, genuinely interesting. He's fun. He's easygoing. He's exactly what you think he is. Like every interview you've ever seen with him, he's exactly like that. That's not that's not pretense or anything like that. He's just genuinely a nice guy who's quite interesting. And I think Brady could be the same sort of, I mean, he's much younger, but I think he's developing along the same sort of lines. He's just a genuinely interesting, nice guy. who's a pain to play against, but the, the kind of guy you'd like to sit around and, and shoot the breeze with, not even about hockey, just about everything else. Just, you know, yeah. whatever happens to come up. So I think, I think he would be a good choice. Do. Um, rush to put the letter on him but I think he would be a good choice I, I really hope that he doesn't do that this year I hope that they don't look at this we need an event we need to have a something to draw fan attention so let's name a captain wrong 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 wrong, wrong. Exactly. don't do that don't do that you want you want to do something to uh, to draw fan attention fine put a player or two into the ring of honor you know you want to have events fine do that but don't don't do something as drastic as naming a captain with the player who's Just young let, let them grow into like, it yeah. don't yeah don't make it a media stunt make it something they've earned exactly
0: well thank you so much for coming on to my pod, our podcast today i really appreciate it
1: thanks for inviting me it's actually been a really interesting experience to be the person who's answering the questions <laughs> rather than the one asking them because i'm i'm used to being the person who tries to keep the podcast on track and tried to keep it organized and everything else, and I just had to show up today. This has been awful lot of fun. I appreciate. it. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah, I hope we can do this again. Um, so I'm, um, I'm up for it. Yeah, I'd totally be up for it. So thank you so much for watching our listening to our podcast today. Follow us on Instagram at blue underscore line underscore report, and at on our Twitter at blue line with JB. Thank you so much for watching us. Go stream sends call ups on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for have a good day.